What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Players Club Podcast, episode 20. Uh, we are back with another hopefully interesting episode. This is the premiere video game podcast for VGU.TV. And today on the docket, we're going to talk about, of course, what we've been playing. Um, I'll go ahead and give you a sneak peek. What I've been playing, two very similar games that are probably going to be easily summed up in one conversation. <laughs> but in any case... Um, yeah, we, we have that that we're always talking about, but we're also going to talk a little bit about just graphics in general. Do graphics make the game? What are some games that have really impressive graphics or some games that don't that we still love anyway? And then also talk about that Unreal Engine demo that got released earlier. Um, that's what's coming down the line. But first, we got to talk about who we're here with today. And today I'm joined here by Alamir once again. What's up, Al? Jesus Christ on the cross. I heard you were dead. <laughs> well, I, I mean, as we just talked about right before recording, I did die last night when that happened. <laughs> oh, boy. Lo long story short, if you guys follow me on Twitter, you might know this, but I'm doing the sorting for keeping it 100, and I got all the way down to 97% sorted after 517 matches, and then the page refreshed and lost all that progress, so... I'm going to have to do all that later, but, you know, that despair is for later in my life. Uh, for now, we got some good times to talk about. So, I'm surprised uh, I didn't catch mm -hmm. that. That was actually a Mafia 3 reference. Wait a second, what? Say that yeah. quote again? Jesus Christ on the cross. Heard you were dead. Shit, you're right. Isn't that what they say about Lincoln? That's what, uh, oh, I'm blanking on his name. Irishman. Yeah, that's yeah. Says, that's what he says when Lincoln first, like, seeks him out. That is, damn, I totally forgot about that. You are correct. <laughs> wow, I, I'm mad I didn't pick up on that. Also, we, we did get good Mafia news the other day, so that's exciting. We'll find out what that really is. You'll be able to hear more about that on the VGTV Win podcast. Exactly. By the way, I heard that first episode. Damn solid, man. It, it sounds good. Um, I already sent you advice on everything, but... Yeah, I think it sounds pretty good. So y'all go ahead and check that out too if you want a more newsular focused podcast. Newsly newslier probably isn't a word, but you know, it is what it is. Um but I'll tell you right now, I haven't been playing Mafia. Um I think I might actually save my games for the middle of it. Um Al Al, if you want to talk about one of your games first, I'll let you because I definitely both of my games are super similar, so I can just sum those up fairly quickly. So yeah, what you've been playing this week, man? So I, Old Republic. <laughs> more Old Republic. All right, that's no, on point. And when I when I say more, I don't mean. I, I mean, it's the Titanic amount of more. Like an obscene amount, like putting twenty four hours in the last week type more. Oh, from from Sunday to yesterday, I leveled the character, my Jedi. Uh, Vex Tremlo, all the way from level one or two to fifty-nine. Jesus Christ, dude. that is borderline unhealthy. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's still impressive, but goddamn. I, I know I could tell I was like, hey, it's it's a double XP like thing going on from now to June sixteenth. Oh, okay, that makes sense. So you just had to really grind that out while you could. Yeah, and man, I I I think I'm have to like stay like stay away from that game for a few days. <laughs> sort of 
go back to already get my sanity back. You need to like reset your whole brain because you're just in Star Wars Old Republic mode. Yeah, because I tried playing it a, f- a few different games like uh, Mafia Three. Oh, okay. That's why it was on your mind then with that quote. Yeah, uh, Force Unleashed. Hmm. Okay, that's a solid title. Uh, that the wrestling text-based game I'm I'm into. None of them, none of them helped. So what did I have to do? I had to go to back to Battlefront Two. Oh. It seems like you're just in a Star Wars craze. That must be it, then. I've been in a Star, Star Wars craze for like a month now. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You've been, since what, since you were leading up to making content for May the 4th, you just stuck on this train, and I'm I'm honestly surprised it's lasting this long. I mean, I posted on Twitter, like I posted those two tweets of my Legends hardcovers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For, like for the books I bought on eBay many years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's just well, I'll let you, I'll let you describe it. <laughs> Part of me just wants to take every mo- like all the money I have right now, and just go crazy on Star Wars memorabilia. Jesus Christ! Don't know if I could recommend that, but no, I, I'm I'm gonna try mm-hmm. to I'm gonna try to rein myself in. Yeah, I believe you can achieve. <laughs> I definitely believe so. But man, I I understand the the love of the game, man, or less the game of the franchise but like man i just don't have it in me to because i like i've talked about it before on the show i am such a low-key star wars fan that there's parts of it i like there's parts of it i don't like but overall i'm not like crazed about it but like how what is it about star wars that just gets you stuck on it for this long or actually also did you watch that clone wars finale i remember that came out yeah it wrecked me (laughs) i saw a lot of people crying about that finale yeah well you know what it is. All mu- all good things must come to an end. But in any case, uh, yeah. What what is it about Star Wars that I- I'm sure you- I got a lot of Star Wars fans as friends, so I'm sure I could ask any of them. But for you specifically, what is it about that franchise that just does it for you? It's the feeling that it's just, this. It's just knowing that good will triumph over evil. Mm. Okay, like that which comfort, we, which we could all, or which could be said for this country. God, I wish that could be said. God, in, in more ways than one, especially right around now. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's definitely interesting because w- when you say it like that, it makes even more sense that uh, Disney eventually bought them because it is all about good triumphing over evil and the good guys winning in the end. But man, I... I don't know, especially when it came to stuff like Rise of the Skywalker. Sometimes it feels like, oh, yeah, the good guys always triumph. But it's like, can we make the stakes a little bit like higher? Because <laughs> sometimes it's like, OK, yeah, they're going to get it. All right. Now we're just waiting for the inevitable. It feels like sometimes, you know, so, you know, I can't I can't complain too much. But it's also like, all right, we're this is where we're going to go. But in any case, um, yeah, I I. I'm I'm glad you're enjoying Star Wars. Is there any like new things you've been doing in Old Republic specifically that um is noteworthy or is it just more like grinding, getting through the same missions, just just the same old, same old? Well, I haven't been playing as are the I I'm playing as a Jedi Knight. Mm-hmm. I haven't yeah. done that like that particular class in five, six years. Oh damn. Wow. <laughs> okay, so you're trying to relearn everything it seems, huh? Yeah, and like the 
the Jedi is voiced, the Jedi Knight is voiced by David Hayter. Oh, that's actually really cool. I'm glad to see he's still getting work. I'm not surprised, but you know, you never hear about him nowadays. And I'm pretty sure Laura Bailey voices uh, one of your companions. Ooh, okay. I like Laura Bailey. She's cool. Yeah, and you can romance the camp, the companion, but hmm. technically you shouldn't because you're Jedi and they're Jedi's. warrior monks. Oh, wait, mo- wait. War- oh, yeah, because monks can't like date and stuff, can they? Yeah, they can't. Wow, that's well. Don't be a monk <laughs> unless you are a big fan of loneliness. I don't know the point I'm trying to make, but in any case, it sounds really cool. I mean, they're space monks. The rules don't apply, right? <laughs> I'd hope not. Yeah, hey, oh, I man. think it would apply. Yeah. Okay, then in that case, I was actually gonna make a vulgar joke, but now it's like that's not worth it. Let me not even. <laughs> let me not even go there. Um, in any case, it's good to hear that you're uh, still enjoying Star Wars: The Old Republic because uh, I've actually been playing a not a similar game to Star Wars: The Old Republic, but another like comfort foodie pair of games here um we've talked about one of these games a lot recently and you've talked about one of these games a lot in a couple older episodes but uh i've been bouncing back and forth between fallout 76 and fallout 4 um a lot this past week and i am i don't know what to i don't know what to think man because here's the thing playing fallout 76 and i'm enjoying fallout 76 i am starting to get the hang of things and all of its uh The things that annoyed me about it earlier, I'm starting to just accept because it's a different type of game. And I was playing it the other night. And for whatever reason, my Wi-Fi likes to cut out around, I don't know, like 2 a.m. or something like that. So if I'm ever playing video games really late at night, it will always just cut out right around that time. And it'll only be for, you know, 10, 15 minutes, but it happens. And so I was playing Fallout 76 when this happened. And I was like, I'm not going to accept this man i am really i'm really annoyed that this is going offline when i'm trying to play and it's just really frustrating so i got on uh playstation now and for those of you who don't know fallout 4 is actually available on playstation now and i already owned a season pass as well so i said hey how about i how about i how about i install everything get the dlc going and just have it on my hard drive. And so once everything disconnected, I said, all right, I think it's finally time to go back into Fallout 4. And I really do think I am too harsh on that game. Um, Oh, boy. I think I just saw something crazy on Twitter. I'm just going to say this real quick and then not say anything about it. Um, Apparently, they're making a a remake of Scarface, and the lead is going to be Michael B. Jordan. So I don't know how I feel about that. But in any case, uh, you can hey, take... After Killmonger, mm-hmm. he can play any type of villain. Yeah, true, true. He can. I'm sure he killed that role, but it's also like, why do we need to remake Scarface? And is it even Scarface if it's Michael B. Jordan at that point? But, you know, he, Michael B. Jordan can do no wrong in my eyes. So, you know, I'm giving it to him. In any case, though, um, yeah, I got back into Fallout 4, and I've really... I don't want to say I've been sleeping on that game because I still do like that game a lot. But like, dude, it is just so it's a lot of fun. It's just a it's a lot of fun. And the parts of Fallout 76, like there's things about Fallout 76 that are good. But 
I didn't realize I was missing some of the elements in that game until I played Fallout 4. Like the way Fallout 4 handles conversations with the cinematic camera angles and all that stuff and the slow motion kill cams for vats and all that. I really missed that. And I didn't re- I didn't realize that I missed it until I played Fallout 4. <laughs> and it was really surprising to me. Like I was like, oh, yeah, because in my head, I'm thinking, oh, yeah, Fallout 4 was kind of a disappointment. The story didn't hit as hard as I thought it would. Um, and it's just, you know, in my head, I was thinking it just didn't live up to the hype that I had at the time. But a, but distance from the hype, that game is really solid, and I've ranked up enough to where I have a lot of really powerful weapons and a powerful armor set and all this other stuff, and it's like, yo, I really, why am I not, why do I have this negative opinion of this game? Uh, so, yeah, I've been, I'm in the Far Harbor DLC, actually, and that's what I was playing through, and that was really cool. Yeah, I uh, mm-hmm. saw, your, saw that your post on Twitter mentioning that I... Like a while back, you mm-hmm. had the ending of Fallout 4 or the final choice spoiled? Yes. Oh, dude. I think about that all the time. <laughs> like, it, it was literally like the week it was releasing, too, where I just stumbled upon the wrong tweet. Or it wasn't even a tweet. It was like a Facebook video, and I looked in the comments for responses to the video, and it was literally just, it was an image that just said the final choice. It was like, blank, blank, or blank, blank. And I was like, fuck! Why would you do that? And so it, I I still know to this day, because I remember when I finally got to that point where I saw that's where it was leading towards to that final choice. And I was like so devastated because once I got there and I could see that that's what that that spoiler was true, because up until that point, I didn't think that spoiler was true. And I was like, that that sounds too ridiculous. That sounds too reductive. No way. It's that simple. And then I got to where it was clearly going to be that. And I was like, God damn it. I'm really going to have to figure this out. <laughs> and so yeah it was just horrible it, it was just really bad but i think i still think that story is pretty cool and the kind of topics it plays with and especially now that i'm playing through far harbor where a lot of the a lot of the content in that dlc is focused on like who's a synth and whether or not humans are synths and i actually brought uh what's his name detective valentine i brought him with me because he's very clearly a synth and there's like this super mega synth leader that you're talking to. Oh, oh yeah, you're talking about uh, you're, t- you're talking about uh, Dima. Dima, thank you. I I've forgotten his name. Yeah, Dima. Yeah, Dima and Nick are brothers. Yeah, yeah. You find that out when you talk to him, and you only find that out if you bring Nick Valentine along, and he listens in on your conversation as a companion, and he has responses, and they talk and everything, and it's really cool. Like getting that type of I don't know if emergent is the word, but getting that type of emergent storytelling where you probably wouldn't have gotten that extra layer if you didn't bring that specific companion along. I think that type of shit is really cool. Um, so, yeah, I just love that so much. Uh, I still miss because when I first got the game and I was playing it, I got Piper as my companion and I romanced her and everything. And I was super happy. But now I'm not trying to romance Nick Valentine, but he's definitely the homie. Like he's. He's definitely like he's got my back. He's ride or die, and I'm ride or die for him as well. Um, but yeah, I, I've just really been enjoying it, and the combat is, despite the games having the same frame rate and everything on on PlayStation Four, that's where I'm playing both of these. The combat in Fallout Three or Fallout Four feels so much more satisfying, um, and it's mainly just because there's the physics in Fallout Seventy Six are off just a little bit. 
or maybe not a little bit. It is more noticeable than a little bit. But if you have you've played Fallout 76, so you know, you know, like when things fall or when things like explode and bodies go flying, you know how slow that is? <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like moon gravity or something it's super strange. Um, And so, yeah, it's just stuff like that you notice. And then even the combat, the dismemberment in uh, Fallout 4 is a lot more prominent and a lot more, I don't know, interesting than the dismemberment in 76. Because then when I was playing 76, because really I'm trying to play because I want to rank my character up because I saw there was a lot of uh, they're doing some new updates in 76. They're going to do like seasonal content soon. Actually, I I mm -hmm. have it. I have it brought up right now. Oh, yeah. You're looking at it all. Yeah. So yeah. like in fall, this fall is going to be one wasteland for all. Mm -hmm. And then the, the Brotherhood of Steel are coming back in this winter in Fractured Steel. Yeah, man. Which is going to introduce even more NPCs. Yeah, I'm excited for that. Like, I actually had a really cool moment in 76 where, well, before I even get to that. Yeah, I'm excited for all that extra content. So that's why I've been playing Fallout 76, because I'm like... If I'm going to get into all this, like, because a lot of the stuff that they're talking about is like end game type stuff. And uh, Kristen, the one of the people who always wants to hit me up for Fallout 76, he's like level 52. And I'm I just hit level 30 last night. So I said, OK, I really need to go hard and get some of this game done so I can at least be close and not have him double my level. So I, I've been playing and I did hit this really cool moment the other night where I was crawling around in the swamps and i f ran across this uh i went to a abandoned bunker and i ran across this astronaut who was like wounded on the ground and i was like oh what's up and they were like yeah my ship crashed and i can't i don't know where my my crew is and she didn't know that because she was like I, I asked her what year do you think it is and she was like oh my god that is not what i want to hear um, we got sent out a couple years ago. We were scheduled to come back in twenty seventy in twenty seventy five. At most twenty seventy eight, we were going to come back. And the game takes place in twenty seventy six because the title is seventy six. So, so I was like, oh, oh man, no, no. I actually, uh -oh. I was actually like doing like the quick, you know, you know that meme of the people like like Greg Miller is had like this meme has Greg Miller in it. Where he's just looking around and there's all the formulaic equations. Oh, all the numbers, and he's trying to was, figure shit out. I was doing all. I was doing that because I was like, "Wait, did I miss something in Fallout 4? Oh no, this is. I'm talking about 76 right now. <laughs> yeah, this 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 astronaut mission wasn't wasn't 76, which is why I, I'm starting. I'm kind of blending both worlds together here because Fallout 4. I started to realize how much I love it for its narrative and how interesting a lot of its side characters and content was. 76 with all the updates that they have now and now they're adding actual talking npcs and now they're adding you know a whole bunch of different new threats and stuff once i got to that character who was just this astronaut who was like oh i don't know what year it is where's my where's my crew can you go search my crashed uh, spaceship outside like once i got to that content i was like yo i stumbled across this completely organically nothing led me here i was just exploring and i just ran across this and started a whole quest like that's the type of stuff i love in fallout games and that's the type of stuff that i felt 76 was lacking of and with with this example it seems they're definitely trying to get back into the groove on that stuff they're definitely trying to give that more I don't know. Immersive is what I want to use, but it's less that it's immersive and it's more that it's just like it makes Operated. you feel like 
yeah, populated. Yes, it's not just an empty world and you're exploring this place that everyone's left. Now it's like, okay, it feels a little bit more lively and I'm not the only one here, which is really what I've been craving from the game. Um, so yeah, I, I've been really enjoying 76. Now I will say that when you say that Wasteland for All update that they're planning for later in this year, um, that whole thing is supposed to be, cause right now in Fallout 76, they have a, they have an area where if you're like level 20 or so, all the enemies aren't going to be too far over level 20 and all of the threats are going to be pretty easy to face. But if you go to different corners of the map, le- enemies start hitting like level 100, level 50, like they get really high levels and they'll take you out instantly. And dying in Fallout doesn't like drop all your items, but it does drop all your scrap. And that's kind of what you need for crafting and upgrading and repairs and all that stuff. So, um, I have been having a really hard time exploring with my friend because he's, he, like I said, he's level 50 something and I'm having to sit on mountains and he's like, all right, I'm going to super slice them in the face. I just need you to do pop shot damage from the back. And I'm like, you're really just doing this so I don't die in one hit. <laughs> like I see right through it, but, um, hopefully once that wastelanders for all thing comes out, I'll be able to explore the wasteland more openly and without as much fear of threat because then everything will scale to my level and I don't have to worry about dying in one hit to a Scorch Beast like I did last night when I tried to find her spaceship. So, <laughs> so yeah, that's, um, so I'm really excited to keep playing Fallout 76. And when I saw the update that they posted that today, because I only played 76 immediately after my whole keeping it 100 thing just deleted itself. I was like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm playing a video game so I can feel something positive. And I was playing 76 and all that happened and I played really late. So I was really so when I did see the updates this morning, I was like, oh, that that feels really good. We got some new content in a game that I'm starting to warm up on. So it feels like the sun is rising rather than sunsetting on Fallout. And I'm very excited to see where it goes. So, yeah, Fallout's really good. I Mm -hmm. remember there's another game I played today. Oh yeah, what what other game did you play, man? The Last Outside of, of Story. Re- really? Why are you playing The Last of Us? Okay, so when when the game first launched on PS3 in like went in June of of uh, 2013. Yeah, I never got to finish it. You've never beat The Last. Of- Where did you leave off? At at the end of the game. Like after the hospital? No, at the hospital. <laughs> Young man. How, wow. Okay. So did you just start from there or are you just restarting? Well, no, I'm playing on my PS4. Okay. Yeah. I I made it pretty far in my, in my original PS4. Mm-hmm. Sent that to Las Vegas to a, to a friend, basically gave, giving it to him. I completely yeah. forgot that to back up my data. Damn. That's a shame. So play, I turn, I turn it on earlier today and it's, Right, and it places me right, me, Ellie, and Tess outside of the, the building. Oh no! It's just all the way back. So wow, that's way far back. That's like only like two hours in, if that. God, yeah. was that demoralizing? Well, the thing that was demoralizing is how bad my aim is in that game. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's a little bit finicky, admittedly, but, you know, eventually you get used to it. You take it stealthy and slow, then you should prevail. But in any case, have you... Yeah, go ahead. Right now, I left off at uh, Bell's area. Mm Mm-hmm. And, God, I hate the clickers. 
<laughs> yeah, the clickers are pretty pretty lame. I- I'll admit, or just a little bit frustrating. Um, or is it more just like a fear thing? Like, cause they kill you in one hit. That's the thing that really frustrates me. So it really forces you to like stealth it out or have a whole arsenal before you start trying to pop off at them. But um, hopefully it hasn't been treating you too well. Overall, are you like enjoying your time with it? I mean, it's been a while since you've played it, but like it's a good game. So hopefully you're like enjoying it. Probably you're probably playing it in, in anticipation for the sequel, right? Yeah, I was told by high, my quote higher power. <laughs> Who might? To- totally not. I'm totally not referring to my old po- podcast co-host Matt Mobley. <laughs> okay then, higher power, you whiz. Anyway, as you were saying. So like I'm, I get I get like the beginning of Bill's area. The when you first when you first get like get to the area, there's two uh, clickers. Yeah, I am sorry. My phone went off, and I muted as soon as it went off. <laughs> I swear to God, my phone goes off every episode, as you were saying. So I, I take a brick, throw it. One, mm-hmm. one sh- like shambles over. I try to get near it, but it started going down the the stairs. Hmm. Interesting. Wonder why they. Oh, like he just started walking down the stairs. This wasn't a ragdoll situation. Well, I th- I threw the brick. It broke. Like he went. The the clicker went to it. Mm-hmm. But then just went back to its old to its like AI settings. Oh, okay. Just went back into its loop. Yeah. So mm. I, so I grabbed it like I, I was sort of, going a little faster. Grabbed it, shipped it. Hmm. Okay. Making your way pr- through. Prior to this, like I think back in, I want to say the like prior to the prior to arriving in the at the area, mm-hmm. I found a weapon with a knife on it or the scissors oh okay like the baseball bat type thing or i guess just a plank of wood well the one i found was like a pipe oh okay okay and yeah that i kind of hope the game has more or i kind of hope last of us part two has a more has a little bit more hope and less torture like emotional torture bro you might be in for a disappointment (laughs) i know like i Mm. Like I, ugh. it just judging from the trailers I've seen of The Last of Us Part Two, it seems like it's gonna be a lot more. I here's the thing, I know and I know The Last of Us One is like a dark, bleak, and depressing game, but like because Ellie is who she is, you still have a lot of like levity there. Like she keeps the she keeps the she keeps it from being a total downer, but now in the sequel. She's the adult. She's the one carrying out the violence. She's the one who is the main person seeking vengeance. How can she possibly give us levity? Where are we going to get any levity in this game? Yeah. yeah. Joel does remember like the times before and Mm -hmm. Ellie, she does not. Exactly. Like, like, I'm sure there's still going to have some moments like they've talked about the moments where you're with, uh, I think the new character's name is Diana where Ellie's chilling out with her and they're smoking weed and stuff. And that sounds cute and all, but like, is that something we're going to cut back to as a flashback in the middle of her, like slitting someone's throat? Like (laughs) it's going to be real awful. If it's just constant, just 
dreariness, man. Like seeing some of these cutscenes and some of the moments they're cutting to in trailers, it's like, oh man. Did you by any chance hear the new story about the the dogs? Oh yeah, that whole thing was going around. Yeah, I yeah I saw that. Yeah, it, it's for those of you who haven't read it, it's basically oh every not only does every character in the game have a name so that when you kill them they're like frederick no you killed my fucking father and then they shoot at you but also the dogs have names and then they like whimper and stuff so every time the dog dies it's like you killed whiskers how fucking dare you Whiskers is not a dog name i'm aware <laughs> well uh, well it turns out that naughty dog and play, play sony had nothing to do with that that was gamestop oh wow so that's just like some really trashy gamestop copy it's 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 GameStop's crappy or re- like just real hor- like horrible business strategy of being like you'll you'll be immersed in the dog murder like that type of stuff. Yeah, and when like when I first read that, I mean I don't know why, but it, I immediately tra- like went back to E three two thousand eight mm-hmm. with Peter Molyneux on stage saying you're going to love your dog. <laughs> What is it, like Fable 2 or 3 or something? Fable 2. Fable 2, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> I do remember that, weirdly enough. Oh, boy. Yeah, dogs are one great bastion of emotional ma- manipulation that games will be using for a lifetime, I'm sure. Um, But in any case, yeah, I am really... Yeah, you talk about you don't want it to be as bleak. I am really worried that The Last of Us Part 2 is going to be just super dark, super dire. And I, it's like I expect that. It's less that I don't want it to be like that because it is it's going to be what it's going to be. It's more that I hope I can take it because I do not like games where it's all about the bleak, dark, depressing, ultra violent, really emotionally scarring stuff in someone's life. I don't go for those games, but I like these characters so much that I have to see what happens now. Now I'm invested. So I'm kind of fucked. <laughs> so I'm really hoping that they... um. They, they don't go too hard on it. I really hope they don't go too hard on this stuff. And yeah, I know the GameStop copy is like, oh man, it's going to be, it's going to be a crazy ride. But like, I don't think Naughty Dog is looking at it that way. So because of that, I'm hoping that everything is done tastefully. And I just know it's going to be, it's going to be hard. I know this game is going to be hard to play through just in general. I just did, hope it's um, not too hard. Did mm-hmm. Bruce Traley ever say like what he well, like why he left Naughty Dog? Bruce Straley. Let me see. That name sounds familiar and I he think was, it's he was mm-hmm. it was him and uh Druckmann who like they co directed the game. Oh this guy, okay. Um I I don't think he's ever said outright why he left, but you know, there's a lot of things you could talk about in response to uh why you would not want to work at Naughty Dog. <laughs> There's a lot of things you could say, um, whether it's crunch or sexual misconduct, you know, stuff like that. What? Uh, wait, you haven't heard about that? No. Oh, wow. Like, okay, years ago, there was this one, I want to say it was David Ballard, but I'm not sure. David Ballard. Yeah, David Ballard, uh, Naughty Dog... Yeah, I'm going to look this up while I'm saying this because I do not want to spread false information. But I remember someone like left. They left Naughty Dog and didn't really talk about why. And then they later said I was sexually uh, something happened. I'm pulling up their tweet right now. Yeah, it was David Ballard. Uh, yeah, at beat or do I want to say his Twitter? 
y'all can Google it if you want to. But yeah, David Ballard, he he works somewhere else now. And he had he's been sexually harassed at Naughty Dog by a lead, and his work environment became extremely toxic afterward. And he tweeted that out in 2017. And this incident happened in late 2015. So it took a long time for him to say it, number one. And then eventually he said who it was. And I forgot who who he said. It's not Straley. It's not Neil. It was like someone I remember seeing in interviews for like Uncharted 2 multiplayer. But when he said that, I was like, him? What? I was really surprised. And the weird thing is this tweet has gotten a lot of traction, like 5,000 likes, 3,000 retweets. But you really hear no one talk about this. <laughs> like, no one really brings it up. No one really, like, like everyone will say, oh, Do- Naughty Dog is like the crown jewel of Sony. But then often when people want to come at them, they use this and they also use the crunch culture that they've been criticized for in the past. And from all accounts, it sounds like the crunch stuff has been... uh helped a little bit and it's not as bad as it was but with this with this in spe- with this case specifically with David Ballard it's like yo I don't know if they're doing anything to help fix that and I don't think anyone's really pinned them to the table and been like yo are you changing your culture to make sure stuff like this doesn't happen I haven't heard any conversations on that matter it doesn't seem like that's a question that's on the tip of people's tongue to ask but yeah there's if you want to ask why someone's not working at Naughty Dog there's at least two reasons. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's rough stuff, man. I, I do not want to make light of it or anything. But, yeah, man, there's some shit that happens at Naughty Dog. And I don't know the whole I don't know the entire uh, I don't know the whole story on this David Ballard thing, nor do I know the whole story of anything that happens at Naughty Dog because I don't work there. Um, but, yeah, things happen and you got to be careful. <laughs> so. Yeah, I, I don't know what to say on that. But yeah, I'm, I'm surprised you didn't hear about that. That was a big deal back when it came out in 2017. Or maybe it wasn't a big deal because not many people talked about it when it when it came out. So yeah, it. I, I was going to say it is what it is, but like I say that so much. So I'm just going to say that's what I know right now for that. Um, but in any case, uh, is there any other game you want to talk about before we move on? To our special topic, or did you have more to talk about on The Last of Us at all? I know, <laughs> yeah, I know where I'm headed because I like that that game, like Last of Us, had a really big impact on me. Mm-hmm. That's surprising considering you're only beating it now. <laughs> but anyway, well, I, over the years I've done, I've done many many attempts to beat it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I'm a little, I'm a little worried, scared about having to go back to the gym. Ooh, wait a second. Which one's is you mean like the university? Oh no, I know what you're talking about with no. the boss fight. Yeah. Oh my god, the bloater. Dude, you haven't you haven't lived until you've had to do that on like the second hardest difficulty. <laughs> like, oh man, I did not think I was gonna get through that. Luckily luckily now, now, yeah. now that you bring it up, mm-hmm. I'm gonna you know, it's gonna be even worse when I get to the university and have to stealth my way through that uh the dormitories oh dude yeah that's what i really dread those dorms are like not impossible but it's just so intense man like i remember like they're like i've seen gameplay of this but it's also the same thing that happened in my playthrough where trying to sneak through the university and it's always like just one enemy at the door and so i always try to like lead them away with a bottle or a brick or just something to throw out of their way 
And then inevitably, they always see me on the way to the door. And I was finally able to sneak through it because the animation triggered right before they saw me. And then you could see in the background them looking at me and being like, ah, but I already hadn't thrown ability because the animation triggered already. So I was super lucky there. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say that that who when you have no resources, especially that game gets ridiculously difficult. So, yeah, it's a it's a fun game, but goddamn, it is something else. But in any case, I'm really going to close Twitter now because I forgot the Ghost of Tsushima things happening. So we'll probably talk about that on the next episode as well. But um, yeah, Last of Us is a fun game. It's an interesting game and it's definitely worth playing. Um, and yeah, also, I was going to say this, but it probably won't be on sale by the time people are watching this or listening. Uh, the Ellie edition of uh, Last of Us Part 2 just went on sale again on, on GameStop. So if you... If you don't own that, Al, if you want it to, feel free. Um, I have it pre-ordered already. Hopefully it goes through. So, you know, fingers crossed. But in any case, um, yeah, that's what we've been playing this week. And to go on with other stuff now in our special segment, we have been we've talked about earlier at the top of the show about graphics and uh, what we think. So let's start it. Let's start this conversation off with this. So. Earlier this week, we had a, well, I guess earlier this week, yesterday, we had gotten a gameplay demo of Unreal Engine 5 running on PlayStation 5 hardware natively. And it was actually a playable demo that people, they were planning on having this at GDC before it got canceled. And so this demo did look super impressive. Like I watched the stream of it. I was watching the uh, the gameplay live and it looked really impressive and all the things that they describe about spatial audio and visuals and everything looked really cool but i don't know i know how i feel about it i want to ask you al how did you feel about that demo how did you feel about that trailer did it i don't know did it tickle your loins or not <laughs> i i was amazed i was blown away mm -hmm. fair enough <laughs> but was it did it get you excited that's my main question yeah because like with every engine comes someone else's take on it like someone else's like little modification. Yeah, yeah. And that just happened to be theirs. I really want to see what yeah, I just mainly just want to see what other developers can do with it. Yeah, I agree. Like I'd love to see what like a uh I don't know, I was going to say like a Rockstar game would look like cuz I really do love their physics their physics engine for like uh ragdolls and stuff or what the Guerrilla Games engine would look like on PS5, like all that stuff would be interesting. But I don't know. The the thing that really grind grinded my gears about it was that because people were it was getting hyped up pretty heavily beforehand like uh jeff Keeley, who does the whole you know summer game fest thing he was saying we got one of the more important reveals of the summer coming up today and you know that kind of tempers expectations a little bit by saying one of the more important but it still does make it feel like it's something pretty big so you're sitting there thinking like what could it be and i was already hyping myself up too much like for some reason there was a lot of talk about playstation all-stars on the timeline recently and i knew it wasn't going to be playstation all-stars but like my heart was in the wrong place for it <laughs> like i already had that in my head so i was like if it's not this i'm just not going to be as happy as I could possibly be. Um, but then people were also like the night before they shared a, a gif of a horizon, like literally a actual horizon, like with the sun setting on it and stuff. 
And everyone was like, is that a Horizon? Is this Horizon 2? Like, people were going off, man. And just, it just wasn't, what what it ended up being was, yeah, it's a very pretty gameplay trailer. And, you know, the engine's going to be awesome and stuff. But the reason it kind of didn't hit for me is two reasons. Number one, an engine isn't a game. And there's no, like, IP there for me to be excited about. Um, and number two, even if that engine is super impressive and even if next gen looks like that, it's only going to start looking like that, like, four to five years from now. Because the engine won't even be available until late next year. And then after that, you got to wait for people to make games with it, which could take, you know, two to five years. So it's like... You say that, but there's a tech demo that was a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, true, true. There is a tech demo that was, well, it was a game, but it's also like you. No one's gonna flesh out that game. Like, well, I, I shouldn't say that as a definitive statement. Oh no, I'm talking about Fracture. Wait, what? You remember Fracture? You're Luke talking Starts, about the starts game where you get to manipulate the environment. Yeah, with the terraforming guns and stuff and Jet yeah. Brody. <laughs> God, yeah, I remember that game. What? What about? Is that? Um, What's your what's the point you're making with Fracture? Because I'm kind of confused right now. No, that's just that game was the game is more of a tech de- tech demo than a game. Okay, I agree with that. <laughs> and while LucasArts could have done more with it, they chose to just make a game out of it. Huh. Okay, that's a good point. Like they very well, someone could definitely take the cool gameplay concepts that were in that uh, tech demo. And make it into some type of video game, but I don't see that being likely unless there's like an indie studio or something. Or when I say indie studio, I'm thinking of someone like a uh, someone on the level of like a Ninja Theory when they made Hellblade. Like I'd love to see like with them talking about how the engine's gonna make it easier for people to make games and to import assets and all this stuff. That sounds great because then we can get more Hellblade quality games for even smaller studios and stuff like, um, what is it, Plague's Tale Innocence. We could see a lot more stuff like that in the future, and that excites me. But it's also like, yo, that doesn't, the promise of some really pretty looking games in the future still isn't like, oh man, I can't wait to do this specific gameplay activity or to see this specific narrative or these specific characters. I'm not going to see any of that, and that's why I play games. Like, sure, the games are going to be prettier and all that stuff. That, if anything, in that announcement, the actual visuals didn't really impress me. What did impress me was uh, just how easy it's going to be to make games. And I don't know if you saw the uh, their new policy on people who ooh, on people who order the engine. So if you if you download the what Unreal Five engine, I I don't know if it's in effect right now. But with Unreal 5, they're going to make it to where if you're an independent developer, it's always been free to use. You can Anybody can download the Unreal Engine right now and play around with it. But when you're putting out games, now with this new policy, you don't owe Epic any money until you cross a million dollars of profit. And that's crazy to me. <laughs> like, that's going to really open it up for indie devs because then it's not... Because then you're not worried about, oh, man, I got to really... Because if you make a game on on Unreal and nothing really happens and it doesn't blow up, it's not a big financial loss there. Yeah, it's a loss of time and stuff, but it's not a big financial loss if your game doesn't, you know, get to the level of success it needs to be. Now it's only going to be taking money from those who have the money to spare, pretty much. And I really like that. 
I, I think that's really cool. And I think that's going to lead to a lot more interesting games next generation. I think there's going to be a lot more like we've I feel like we've talked a little bit about uh, the return of double A games and stuff like THQ Nordic making a lot of these games that aren't the biggest triple A titles, but are still like very are still pretty polished and still pretty highly anticipated. I hope that continues, and I feel like stuff like this, where games are, where these really high-level AAA quality games are going to be easier to make using policies and gameplay engines like this. Um, that's what I'm really excited about. Like pretty graphics, cool. Every there's games right now that are pretty, but you know that doesn't grind, that doesn't tickle my fancy anyway. That's just me on my soapbox, I guess. <laughs> I mean, is there any other? I mean, I'm gonna. There's actually a pretty good segue here, but before I make that segue, was there anything else you wanted to talk about in relation to that uh, gameplay demo we got? No, not really. Yeah. Like I, yeah, like I said, it's kind of thin. It's kind of hard to talk too much about. But speaking of Unreal, I wanted to take this conversation on graphics and kind of expand it a little bit here. So I really wanted to look at how much do graphics matter um, and how much just because a game looks pretty how big of a deal is that does that factor into our love for it to a great deal and um yeah just all of that so speak since we're talking about unreal engine i know al one of your games runs in unreal engine i don't know what it is yet but you did tell me that so uh which one of those games might it be it would be my favorite game life is strange wait really life is strange runs in unreal engine it runs on unreal 3 wow i i never would have thought they they can get graphics like that in that engine yeah i mean hmm. i mean it was an improved version of unreal 3 wow i mean hey it, it makes sense because you know or here's the thing that just trips me up it just seems like it's a proprietary engine because it has it all those brush strokes and all those painterly features and whatnot it just doesn't seem and plus it's like no offense to life is strange but i don't really think of that as like a sharp game like it's not this like masterpiece of visuals and i i'm just really surprised to hear that that runs on unreal that's that's wild um i thought it ran on like not the telltale engine but something that was created to try and emulate that style because it's so close to it yeah that's wild i mean so I, I feel like, what do you think about that? Because does the graphical style add to the game? Does it subtract from the game? Does Is it even a factor at all? Yeah, like an example with the with Life is Strange. Mm -hmm. The textures in the game were entirely hand-painted. Ooh, wow. And it, it's, it's, it serves the narrative and the ultimate goal of the game, which is to make you feel like you're in a painting. Hmm. I didn't know that was one of the goals of the game. That's actually pretty cool. Well, that's 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 one of mm -hmm. uh, Michelle Coach uh, called called it impressionistic rendering. Hmm. Okay, it's pretty neat. That's actually really cool. I I never thought about any of this for Life is Strange because it does kind of add to that aesthetic of it being like the art style kind of makes the whole narrative feel elevated because. In all honesty, I love Life is Strange. It's really just sci-fi Degrassi when you get down to it. <laughs> and I, I do feel like that art style kind of elevates it up a little bit more. 
it makes it really cool. Um, yeah, that's really crazy. Is this now? I don't think I said this earlier, but I, we chose two games that one of which is going to be a least graphically impressive game and the other one's going to be a very gra- graphically impressive game. Um, which category does this one fall into? Cause I feel like you could make a case for either. Uh, least. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I figured so. Um, and it se- you said it's your favorite game, so it doesn't seem like it's lack of high resolution and all that stuff really makes too much of an impression. It was the story that really hooked me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The story is what hooks everybody in that game, and it's a damn good one. Um, so, yeah, everyone should play Life is Strange. Yeah, I agree with you, man. It's um, I think in the case of Life is Strange, it goes to show that it's less about hard, like, how many how many frames you're pushing or how many pixels you have on screen and it's more about what you're doing with those pixels um because i once again that game looks super soft it's just not a visually impressive game at all but i still have fond memories and fond thoughts of its art style because it is unique and it is doing something like you said with the it's painting all the textures i had never even thought of that being a possibility (laughs) so that's really great and that must have taken a long time as well because that game there's a decent amount of environments and character models and stuff to where there's a lot to paint there so yeah that's that's really cool i never knew that i'm learning a lot on this podcast good on you um i guess in similar fashion though I'll go ahead and use my, uh, I'll talk about one of my least graphically impressive games. Um, this one, I don't know if you know this game, but it started as a Flash game and eventually was released on PC on Steam. And it's one of my, it's not one of my favorite games ever, but it's probably the least graphically impressive game that I love. And that is Dino Run DX. Have you ever heard of this game? No. Okay, so basically it's you start you're like a little baby dinosaur and literally the asteroids in the world is about to end and you're running away from the big wall of ash that's about to consume you. And that's the whole game. <laughs> like in the Flash version, it literally it this is all like when I say 8-bit, like literally 8-bit. Like it's not just that it's pixelated it's that there's very little detail in everything the dinosaur is defined by more its shape rather than the details actually on its skin i don't know if it's a velociraptor or what but it's just like this little tiny dinosaur and you're just running around using the arrow keys to jump uh you crouch down to eat eggs and stuff and collect coins on the way um and you're just trying to dodge all these obstacles and run as fast as you can to the exit of the level so that you can avoid death and yeah, I just really, I really enjoy that game because it's just really fast paced and it's really fun. And once you're on PC, you can play with a controller and that kind of feels like where it should be because then you can jump with X and all this stuff instead of using the D-pad the whole time. And it's just a really satisfying game for me. It's, it's very, it's a, um, it's a disposable experience, but it's really fun. But that art style, I feel they do a lot with it despite having that, um, Despite having that constraint of a really limited, like I said, you can't really do too much detail when it's almost literally an 8-bit game exclusively, but you get a lot of different dinosaurs. You can kind of tell it's a a stegosaurus. You can kind of tell when there's like a T-Rex there. You can kind of tell the differences between all these animals, despite not having a lot of detail. And because it run, because it's so low resolution, um, it runs on damn near everything. Um, and it runs so perfectly. 
Like, I could probably pull that up on my little Surface Go right here and run it. Um, I'm not going to try that because I don't want to cripple my PC by trying to run a game on it. I'll just do that on the main thing. But in any case, yeah, it's really, really, um, it's really fun, really impressive. And, or I shouldn't say impressive, but it just adds to the, I don't know, what's the word I'm looking for? It adds to the atmosphere of the game where it's not, if it, if it was super high resolution and it was like these photorealistic dinosaur models, I don't think it would have the same charm. I think part of the charm is the fact that is, it's this like very indie game as indie game type game, <laughs> which is a lot to say. But yeah, I, I think it's fun. I think it's a great game. And yeah, I don't know. I, I, God, I wish if this was a video podcast and when I say if this was a video podcast, I mean, if I had enough time to throw gameplay and stuff up while we're talking, I would definitely show you footage, but go out there, look up Dino DX or Dino Run DX and see about it. Um, you can play it online. It's on Congregate and all these other websites. You can definitely just check it out yourself, but I think that game's super fun, super unique and barely has any resolution to go by. Um, but in any case, uh, was there any, did you have any something to say about Dino Run or you can just go ahead and say your next game? I'm going to go ahead with my next game because it's one that prior to experiencing Life is Strange in 2018, 2019. I I think it was 2019 because that's when you were really freaking out about it. So flashback nine years. Mm -hmm. I'm 16 years old and I'm playing the game that would, that I campaign for the gamers itch uh G- game of the year award hmm, okay red dead redemption mm, the original one the original hmm okay i respect that one so yeah with with a little tail end on of like the enhanced version version on xbox yeah true true they they did make it look pretty nice on there so yeah so that one that one was a big deal for you that was a big uh did you care about that game primarily for the graphical style, or is that just how, what's your opinion on the graphics in that game? It felt like you're playing. It felt like you were in a western. Very true. Very accurate. And mm-hmm. throughout, like throughout the entire game, you were just you were you were basically along, along the, for the journey with uh, uh, John Marston. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, the whole journey with John Marston that was kind of like. The way they made it more intimate to him, rather than bouncing around different characters and stuff, I really liked how they did that. Yeah. And so... And I, mm-hmm. There was a moment in the game where I just... I don't know if I just started... Lo- I just lost it and started bawling. Is it towards the end? No. Uh, hmm. I think it's right when you enter Mexico. Oh, wow. Oh, like the... uh, What is it? Like the big... The swelling music that comes up whenever you get there? No, it's when you're on your horse. And I, I, apparently it, ha- like it can happen any place, like anywhere in the game, like any, any at any point. Uh-huh. Uh, the song by Jose Gonzalez, So Far Away. Oh, yeah. That song's great. I listen to that still sometimes. It's on my playlist. And it's very ironic because a song by Jose Gonzalez was in Life is Strange as well. Damn, what is it about Jose Gonzalez just hit after hit on that guy but yeah that mm-hmm. it just showed you that john marston was he was a bad only all you knew from his bad past was that he was a bad guy and he was looking for redemption hence the name right there redemption <laughs> very on point yes indeed 
Yeah. I mean, would you say that, I mean, we all know the impact and the gravitas of that narrative, but I, I, I wonder, is it, did the graphics specifically enhance your enjoyment of that game or, you know, were they not a big factor in your enjoyment? It made things more believable. Okay. That's fair. I can give you that too. So like an example, per- the perfect example would be Red Dead Redemption and Gun. Oh yeah. Gun was super cartoony. I remember. Yeah. And like you're, you're supposed to have like all this immense weight on it. Like you're, you were not really, like you were a soldier or not a soldier. You were out for revenge, and the whole look of the game just made you question what the whole point was. Mm. Damn. <laughs> it it was just... Well, when you say that, what do you mean? Like, did, did it just, like, not have defined character models, or just the environments were off? Like, how how do you mean? Okay, so, I don't know if you know... I've, did you ever watch the Funhouse uh, playthrough of Gun? Um, no, I actually haven't, no. I've seen gameplay of Gun, just not the Funhouse one. Okay, so, in, like, in, in Red Dead, you can kill a lot of things. Yeah, true. Animal and human. Yeah, I've I've played, yes. <laughs> Sometimes to a dastardly degree. In Gun, when you get a headshot on someone, it, their head just pops off. Jeez. <laughs> it's kind of fucked. Yeah, and it, in Red Dead Redemption, you get a feeling that Something like this could have a story like this could have could have been like it could have occurred when in Gun you get a feeling that oh this is a Hollywood B movie ah uh, so it feels more like a fantasy rather than like a an a, an actual story that could have occurred yeah mm. okay so I guess the graphics and just the art the art and aesthetic of Red Dead Redemption kind of made it feel a little bit more grounded in reality yeah okay. That's that's interesting. I never really thought of that because I I definitely agree with you. Just the even if you couldn't. Well, I was going to say even if you couldn't kill the animals, their existence kind of enhances the believability of the world. But I think the fact that you can does add to that, too, because it's like, yeah, it's still frontier days. Like people are still eating what they kill and killing what they eat. So, yeah, that makes sense. I, I, I agree with you a little bit on that. I've never thought about that being an aspect in Red Dead Redemption. Like, yeah, I just never thought about it. And it's funny you say that because I, the my most graphically impressive game that I have on here that I love is a game that isn't realistic at all and isn't grounded in anything. And I actually think that might be why I enjoy it. Um, and that's Horizon Zero Dawn. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. Yeah, that one... That game is gorgeous. Everyone, most most likely everyone's seen footage of Horizon Zero Dawn at this point. Um, and it's beautiful, but I think I like it because it's like it's just an immaculately it's immaculately executed visual style, but it's it's less that I'm interested in like, oh man, I can see the pores on Alloy's face, which you can, which is crazy, but I that stuff is all cool and all, but really the thing that just blows my mind is when you get these robots and seeing all of their little mechanical parts that you can zoom in on and seeing all the detail with that or seeing just the weapons like the bow caster and the, and the rope caster and all these different weapons that have all these intricate parts that all move on their own and just seeing the detail and that's where i think games like um or games like 
Red Dead Redemption and games like Horizon Zero Dawn, I think it really elevates the creativity in these games because then it's not it's not just, oh, let's give her a badass rope gun and then you can make a simple rope model and that's it. No, when you have a game like Horizon Zero Dawn where it is grounded in reality, but it's also a completely different reality, when you have that there, then you have to think, okay, because this is a realistic art style, we have to consider how does this bowcaster work? We have to consider the mechanisms that the rope shoots out of and where the rope is stored before it's shot and all these things that make the weapon feel a little bit more real, more believable. And um, even with Alloy's clothing and attire, like you have to really design this thing to, is this is this an outfit for, for aesthetic purposes or is this an outfit that's gonna be hard armor for her to protect yourself? And all these other aspects and, even down to like the NPCs and getting their costumes right. And yes, it's a lot of unnecessary detail that I'm sure a lot of people didn't notice or even care about. But man, for someone like me who kept getting into photo mode and zooming in on all these robots that, you know, you could see their insides that were a different color based off of like what what powers they had and what abilities they had. Like some monsters, if they, I mean, the just the simple thing of like, Oh, I'm a monster that is going to shoot flames. So when you take off my armor, of course, the little sack underneath is going to be red because I have flames inside of me. Like it's stuff like that where I'm just like, OK, they didn't need to do all this. They could have just kept the weak spots the same color for every single enemy. But it's creating that visual identity. And it's really creating creating all these little very small visual touches and stuff that just enhance the overall the overall world and aesthetic so well. Um, and then shoot, I didn't even talk about the environment itself is beautiful <laughs> in Horizon Zero Dawn, which is, you know, everyone, like I said, everyone's seen Horizon Zero Dawn, everything in that game looks really pretty, but I think it's just, you have that really immaculately made beauty of the regular nature juxtaposed to the equally detailed, absurd robots running around with these crazy you know, weapons you're using to take them out and these crazy armor and costume sets that you're wearing while doing so. Because everything is equally detailed, it kind of brings, it kind of makes the fantasy feel real. Where, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, that is very similar to what you talked about with Red Dead. Where, even if, even if there are games that we never feel like we're needing of graphical fidelity, like, I don't know about you, I, I'd actually ask your opinion on this real quick. If Life is Strange was like super realistically shot and had that type of art style, would that still have the same impact on you? I I don't think so, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because like that paint that painterly style kind of adds to its aesthetic overall, right? Yeah, and the main part of or the one of the underlying themes of Life is Strange is art. Like Max is a photographer. Hmm. Good point. Yeah, it's it's the it's thematically consistent as well. I really didn't even put that together. And even more in Life is Strange too, with uh, Sean being a, an artist, or an inspired like a someone who doodles in his free time. Yeah, he's got that artistic spirit. Yeah. Hmm. Damn, that's really on point. That's a fucking. This it feels like we're in like English class, and you just like pulled the themes right out of the book, and the teacher's impressed. That's how I feel right now. <laughs> Like, God, that's really fucking on point. So, yeah, I guess I guess that's pretty much the conversation. It, it's it's re I really didn't think about how graphics kind of enhance the 
the physicality of the world. It makes it feel more real. But I didn't even think about how it, that is the case for even these fantasy games like Horizon, where because everything feels like it's accounted for, it feels like everything's consistent with real life. And that's what makes the world feel like real life. Uh, yeah. So I guess I guess at the end of the day, graphics aren't everything, <laughs> which, you know, you probably could have guessed. But yeah, e even if a, even if a game has the highest resolution, highest frame rate, all that good stuff, you could still take a game like Life is Strange with this painterly art style because that art style is made is chosen for a specific purpose that ties more into the themes. But it also does help to, you know, it feels like these dinosaurs that I'm taking out with these disc launchers are real because every single part of their anatomy is accounted for in a way that most people wouldn't appreciate. But when you get down to the scrutiny of the eye, it really it really shows how much they care. So, yeah, I don't know if you had anything else to say about games and graphics. This is actually a slightly shorter episode here. I guess this, it'll be a relief to people because you're getting two episodes this week. So I guess next week when this one comes out, it'll be a little bit of a breather. Um, and plus, we got another podcast that's coming out at the end of the week anyway. So, you know, that's good stuff. But in any case, you have anything else to say about uh, graphics and games or, or any of the Unreal stuff at all? Mm -hmm. Not really? Well, certain games rely on graphics pretty heavily, like your Battlefronts. Mm, yes. Your Call of Duty. Yeah, I'd agree with that, too. Um, your but Order then, 1886s. <laughs> yeah. But then you have games that just, like, uh, Human Fall Flat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some games... Some games even like lean on their graphics as like their sole defining feature, and that's the thing that I really don't want. I or uh, oh, so you played Crisis? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, people actually like at least for Crisis One, people really liked the uh, the gameplay of that, and they thought that was interesting, innovative, and new. But like, yeah, admittedly, what Crisis Two, Crisis Three, those were. Fun shooters, but like the thing that set them apart was the graphical fidelity. And it's like, okay, sure, but what else you got here? Like, what's what's another game that's kind of in a similar ilk as Honestly, you know what? I'm not gonna say that. I was gonna say LA Noir, but that's not fair. <laughs> that is not fair at all. Um there are games out there that are just known for being beautiful and that's it. Uh I can't think of any. It'd be really cool if I was prepared on this talking point and had some things to write down for it. But yeah, I really I really don't want games leading that direction. Or actually, I talked about it somewhat recently on episode nine of Keeping It 100, which I still have to finish because everything died. Uh, there's this game called Alien Rage. I don't know if you've heard of this game. It's on Steam and PS4. Yeah, it's one of those, like, you'll see it a lot for, like, nine cents or something on a Steam sale. It's one of those dirt cheap shooters that people give away, just like Enemy Front and a lot of these, like, Psy Interactive games that no one cares about. Um, it's basically just an alien shooter, but I played it. It was free on PlayStation Plus, which is how I know about it, and I played it on there, and it was absolute trash. It Because it's PlayStation 3 and games didn't run very well on it if they weren't well optimized this game was terrible it was yeah the frame rate was low but it was struggling to keep that frame rate and the game's just really difficult just the game's just bad but it ran really terribly on ps3 specifically so i played it on pc and 
it ran beautifully 60 frames per second high resolution it was a very good looking game um but none of the good looks could overcome the fact that it was just a generic bargain bin type shooter like and i didn't even pay for it on steam i didn't even buy it specifically it just came in one of these random steam bundles uh but i installed it see saw what was up and was like yeah i don't need to play this because even the prettiest graphics in the world aren't going to save you from mediocre gameplay narrative or any other element of a game so yeah I guess that's what we'll keep it at. Uh, I'm once again this. I want to reiterate this point a little bit from earlier. Um, Unreal Engine Five, while it doesn't get my gears going right now, I think it is going to be cool to see in a couple of years once people are actually using these tools. It's going to be cool to see these things implemented into games of the future, and I'm super excited for that. But as of right now. When I'm looking, we're just so starved for some type of good news or any news for the next generation that the fact that we're getting all hyped up over this tech demo, this would have been something that was a footnote. Because you remember when PlayStation 4 got announced and they had Unreal Engine 4 footage and they were showing that off, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like when that happened, that part of that conference was lit was like the smallest footnote of the whole conference where because we had all the actual information we care about what what does it look like what is the price you know all the information we care about on playstation 4 we got that time so to see the footnotes and the smallest parts of these like what would be the smallest part of a traditional console reveal are the things that we're like building anticipation and hype around and it it frustrates me because I want news, but it's also like, man, has the news cycle, have we gotten so desperate for news that we're going to take something like this as like the biggest deal in the world? It just feels weird, you know? But like I said, I'm I'm still excited about it. It's just, it's tempered. Like I, I said it on Twitter, the biggest news of that day was the fact that Mafia 1, 2, and 3 are getting remastered. So, you know, graphics or whatever, I want actual games. And so... Hopefully, we'll get some more of that in the coming weeks. I know right now they're showing off Ghost of Tsushima, and I'm trying to stay off Twitter until we finish this episode so I can go look at that footage. But in any case, that's probably what we're both going to do. Are you going to check out that Ghost of Tsushima stuff after we after we get out of here? Uh, what exactly are they showing? Um, as far as I've heard, they're showing like it's like it might be an actual just a full clip of gameplay and then they'll do some commentary after it but it's it's just a state of play where they're just going to deep dive onto what Ghost of Tsushima is because we still don't really know that much like we know it's a combat game and we know it's supposed to be open world but it's like what's the HUD look like what's the gameplay loop you know all that stuff it seems like they're going to start defining now since we're getting close so yeah I'm going to look at that stuff yeah I might as well I mean I, I did pre-order it yeah, <laughs> I see. I don't even have it pre-ordered, and I love Sucker Punch. Infamous is one of my favorite franchises, but I know so little about that game. And they've showed demos and stuff, but I know so little that I don't know if I need to get that at launch. But maybe we'll see. I'll I'll be checking that out. So, um, speaking of checking it out, we're gonna check up out of here <laughs> on this episode of the podcast. But before we do that, let's go ahead and give some housekeeping stuff here. Um. So by the time you guys are listening to this episode, uh, Keeping It 100 Episode 8 will already be out. So go ahead and listen to that one. That one was recorded when my computer was like on the fritz of dying because I 
I don't know if I've told you this or if you've seen it on Twitter or anything, but I've had to keep my computer on for a long time because I'm trying to do these these episodes without refreshing the page. And it got to the point where I was running out of memory. Like, I don't know what was running in the background, but it was just hogging up a lot of memory and I couldn't even record my screen on episode eight. So I set up my phone behind me on a tripod and just recorded the screen. (laughs) So, yeah, I was really struggling that episode, but I think it's still a good episode nonetheless. And I had some fun Um, and there were some really hard decisions there. Like the hardest decision I've had to make in the entire series happens in episode eight. So you guys will see that one. So go ahead and check that one out. That one's going to be in the podcast feed. So, you know, just scroll down. It's probably the one right before this one. Um also, we, oh, episode nine's coming soon. I'm going to be recording that, but episode nine, you will be getting soon. Uh, it's going to kill me to reselect everything, but you will get that soon. And the finale is coming soon after, or not too soon after, but in any case, you guys will be getting that. Other stuff on the site here. Uh, I also want to shout out the Win podcast. Episode one's already up. Hopefully, are you planning on doing an episode two? Is it going to be weekly? Yeah. Okay. Okay. I just want to make sure. Yeah. Because if it is a news show, it's like, okay, yeah, it makes sense for that to be weekly. But yeah, the, the news show is going to go up. So if you want to hear uh, Week in News, go ahead and uh, scroll down in the podcast app. Or if you're on you know, YouTube or somewhere else, I will be including a link to that as well. Um, other or than, you, or mm-hmm. you can find it on VGU.TV. Exactly. VGU.TV. That's where, that's where all these go. Because I kind of... I put all the links there on vgu.tv and you know if you're anywhere just go there and you'll see everything we do um i also want to give a shout out to the round table that just went up earlier this week for uh game remakes that we want to see um you guys probably can guess the one that i talked about but uh there's a lot of interesting ones in here i really didn't expect uh once again i said this previously but graden I didn't expect him to pull out that game. I didn't I I don't even think of that game needing a remaster as much, but if he if he's for it then, you know, all I'm all ears. Um and then I think your 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 choice is very you. <laughs> Cuz I I know you love that game very much and with all the Wastelander stuff coming out now and Wastelanders 3 and the remake of the original it's like, yeah, I, if if another game was to get a similar treatment, I think this one's overdue. So yeah, go ahead and look at that one. That one will be in the description as well for you to click and read. Um, Of course, our YouTube channel is still there. Uh, As soon as I'm done with this episode nine of Keeping It 100, I will likely be able to start, not just start working on the finale, but try and get some of these video things that I've talked about trying to do. Try and start getting those on the YouTube channel finally, because really this podcast is taking up a surprising amount of my time <laughs> uh, and with everything, you know, dying and me having to reselect everything every episode, it was taking a long time, but that should be over. So hopefully time will be expanded. And before summer classes start, I'll be able to go ahead and get some stuff on there. So be on the lookout for that. Um, let's see. What else do we have? Al, is there anything else you want to pitch to before I uh, go ahead and uh, close this on out? Yeah, there's a something I wrote called Star Wars Yellow Republic rediscovering a lost love which will, oh, which yeah. will be going live on monday at 9 30 mm, perfect <laughs> that goes very well with the old republic talk you've had today and then in two weeks the playstation memories roundtable mm, 
Yes, that one's going to be good. I really enjoyed writing that one up. Took me a while to get to it, as we've as we've talked about offline. Um, but yeah, it's there, there mm-hmm. is another roundtable that. Oh yeah, two, there's mm-hmm. one. We have a movie roundtable we're we're working on right now. Yes, which I think you you might want to get on in on. Yeah, I I saw that one. I have to really think of something because I'm sure there's a bunch of examples, but I have to think of a good one. I might pull a rabbit out of the hat and surprise y'all, but we'll see. <laughs> I might do something off kilter, but stay tuned for that. And Grain's recap. Oh yeah, yeah, the recaps are continuing as well. Yeah, go ahead and check that out. Yeah, anything else that we got on the docket? I'm gonna try to set. I'm gonna try and like work on it and maybe try to set it for like the end of the month. But my Remembering G4 Part 7, focusing on cheat. Mm. Yeah, that one's going to be good. Not Cheaters, the show that would play <laughs> anyone who anyone who liked G4 at all. Oh, my God. Was che- was Cheaters an original G4 creation? I don't think oh it God. was. No, it had been airing for years and years. That's it. Yeah, I knew. It, it was It was similar to Cops. <laughs> it was just like, here's some programming to fill some time. And then when Cops went away, they brought it in Campus PD. God damn, man. <laughs> That that's just so dumb. God, G four, we love you and hate you at the same time. But hey, I guess that's why we have YouTubers and Twitch streamers now, because <laughs> that just filled the void. That's why we have Funhouse. Exactly. That's why we have Funhouse. That's why we have kind of funny. So a lot of these people kind of ran in. Anybody affiliated with RT with Rooster Teeth is pretty much the replacement for G four. <laughs> so yeah, be on the lookout for all that stuff. And uh, anything else to pitch before? Uh. Nope. All right. Sounds good. Sounds Gucci. So we'll go ahead and hop on out of here. We'll let you guys enjoy the rest of your day. Um, I'm going to go ahead and I got some podcasts to edit. I got one to set up for like four hours before I can record. And I'm going to go ahead and get all that stuff done. I will see you guys in the next episode. Al, thank you for hanging out with me today. No problem. Oh, yeah. No problemo. I'm going to go ahead and hop out of here, take this do-rag off so I can let my dreads breathe. And <laughs> I don't know why I even mentioned that. This My do-rag starting to sweat because I have to because I got my hair twisted. So it's I have to wear this do-rag to kind of press them down so they don't untwist. But, man, it is sweating right around the edge. Um, but in any case, thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for watching. And without further ado, keep it real. Keep it real. Adios, y'all.